0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Nick at Night show. With any of the, well, it's going to be a fun night, that's for sure. First of all, welcome to the new version. Uh, we're broadcasting now on Wednesday nights. Uh, yes, today is it's a live show, and it certainly is Wednesday evening. Um, that's a little bit of a change from before. We used to be on Thursday, of course, but um, for logistical reasons here in the bunker, we <coughs> excuse me, we decided that uh, Wednesday would be a better night. Okay, now the numbers you can reach us at tonight are 343 700 4390, 844 562 4766. You can reach me at nick at late uh, Let me just give you the numbers one more time 343 700 4390, 844 562 4766. All right, now. I usually dive right into the show, but tonight on the way over here uh into the bunker, I was um I stopped to grab something to eat real quick at a fast food outlet. And I don't know, there's there's something's going on in our society and you know, on one way it's si- simple enough that even a child can understand it what's happening and why. But I stopped in this fast food restaurant just to, like I said, just to grab something to eat because it was about supper time and i looked up at the menu and there's actually there's a commercial and i posted this on facebook my wife actually found it and shared it on my wall if you want to see it it's a it's a tim horton's commercial and i've been in this guy's position it drives me crazy you walk in you look up and there's the menu so you're having a look and all of a sudden it changes and they show you some kind of dessert or some kind the menu just disappears and some kind of advertising shows up. Just as you're, wait a minute, where did it go? Now, in the commercial, the guy says to the girl, oh, well, okay, there it's it's back. And the commercial lasts about 30 seconds. And every time, <laughs> every time he's ready to order, it disappears. and He's starting to get frustrated. Well, I've been in that situation uh, because, look, when I walk into a restaurant Whether I'm looking at a paper menu in my hands or whether I'm staring at one on the wall, don't change it on me. Now, a lot of restaurants, like if you go to a particular fast food restaurant on a pretty regular basis, you know what's on the menu. So do you really need? But I like to look anyway, just in case there's something new they've brought out that I haven't seen before. I might like to try, but it disappears so fast. It's only up for 15, 20 seconds and it's gone. Well, I am a slow reader. I'm a fast talker, about a slow reader. And I looked up and went, that's funny. It was there a second ago. So anyway, that just, that kind of thing makes me crazy. Now, I go into this restaurant tonight, and I'm looking up. And, of course, the screen does its little thing. Only this time, I'm ready for it. I'm watching. And when it comes up again, I'm ready. So I make my order. But I look around, and there's a list You know how in in some, um, let's say in a doctor's office or some place where a government agency has uh, a service office, you go and you take the little tag with the number on it, you know, maybe 54, right? Serving number seven, and you look at your tag and it's number 54. Oh, boy, I know I'm going to be here for a while. (laughs) Excuse me. So it's one of these deals where you look at it and go, wait a minute. I looked up at the screen, and sure enough, when I placed my order, this long piece of paper came out, and my number was 164. And there were six orders ahead of it on this display screen. Now, that one didn't change. And then I looked around behind me, and there's this little kiosk where you can go, and you can place your order right there on the screen. You can build your own hamburger, whatever it is you want. Pay for it with your little tap or swipe or stab card, whatever the heck you want to call it with your plastic money, and never have to talk to anybody at all. Now, look, I'm not exactly what I would call a towering intellect, but it did cause me to stop, pause, and think for a little bit. Everybody is in such a rush. Everybody out there wants everything, not now, but right now. Yesterday would even be better. And I think that feeding that monster what's happening is we are losing our connectivity with each other. It's bad enough now. Like when you it used to be, when I before the days of cell phones and before the days of heck. Do you remember when the first Walkmans came out? They looked like a brick. I remember a friend of mine, Randy, got one, and the thing weighed about four pounds. Now, mind you, compared to the ghetto blasters that were popular in the early '80s, it was minuscule. But still, he had a big leather harness for it that hung on his hip. And I'll bet you it was three inches by five inches by two inches thick just to play a cassette. Okay, but before all that, we used to, when you sat on the bus, you might actually strike up a conversation with a person sitting next to you, whether it was something as benign as the weather or whether it was something, you know, who knows? But there was always a a chance for a little bit of spontaneous conversation. Excuse me. And it allowed for you to feel a little bit part in some small way of the community in which you lived, but that is really being drained away in a hurry because of the instant you go to a grocery store now. You can check out of the grocery store. You don't ever have to um, uh, talk to a cashier. You don't. You go over to these automatic tellers where you, they, you buy the bag. You, buy, you You know everything's automated. There's even a store somebody was telling me about the other day where there's not even any cashiers. It's all just done through the magic of the Internet and and chip technology and all that stuff. You pick up the stuff, you walk towards the door, and it's paid for. Now, I guess what bothers me, see, I'm really a dichotomy. I'm a creature of two worlds. On one hand, I'm very old-fashioned. I don't like a lot of the new technology. I just don't. I like, as an example, this whole move towards driverless cars. Thanks, but no thanks, I'll drive my own car. You know, I've been doing it long enough. I don't need anybody's help. I can handle a stick shift or an automatic, and I'm as good a driver as anybody else out there. Better than most, I might. I, if, I don't sound like, if I sound like I'm bragging, too bad. I've got 10 years as a professional driver, and God, I started driving when I was seven. Well, okay, that might not have been driving. That was more sitting on the seat holding the steering wheel till Dad got back up on the tractor. But that's where it started. So I don't need anybody's help doing it. I don't like a lot of the trends that isolate us. Yet, at the other side of the coin, I love video games, okay, I play one right now called World of Warships. I just love it. It's great it's it, because of my naval background, of course, that's part of the attraction. I play one called uh I used to play one called Air Warrior, and there's another one called War Thunder where you can play um airplanes or whatever, but that's only for a very limited time. I don't get a whole lot. I don't sit and spend hours a day playing those games. You know, I entertain myself a little bit with it and then move on to to do some things in the real world. But in general, we have this trend away from, on one hand, we have never before have we been able to be so connected with each other. Like my son, he plays uh, Halo and a couple of other games. He's 28 years old now. And uh, his whole social life is built around his gaming. He has friends scattered all over the country, all over North America. And that's how he stays in contact with them. So in that from that perspective, I get it. The downside is he's never forced to go out and make new friends. In the old days, when your family moved, or if you changed location, you could write letters, you could pick up a phone, but that was about it. You were either forced to be a hermit or you had to go out and meet people. So why I went down this, this road, I don't know, but it just it just started with this being in this restaurant about how you have this situation where now in today's world, uh, For all the technology that we have, for all the things available to us, okay, the ways of being connected, we've never been more disconnected. We've never been more isolated because we've stopped talking to each other face-to-face. We do it all now electronically. Tonight I had a guy from the United Arab Emirates. While I'm getting ready for the show, he pops up on Facebook. He wants me to help him set up a website. What kind of website? I don't know. First of all, I don't have time for that. Secondly, I don't know this guy from a hole in a wall. I have no idea what his intentions are. And I just told him, thanks for no thanks. I'm not doing it. Then he tried to video call me. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, I didn't take the call. Where the heck did that come from? That kind of interconnectivity connectivity, I don't want. I want a relationship with somebody that builds over time and is based on trust and mutual respect. Not some guy who just happens to pluck my name out of a hat on Facebook and decide to see if I'm a big enough sucker to help them set up some kind of scam on Facebook. You know, so on one hand, we're really connected and on the other, we're totally disjointed and disconnected and isolated. And I don't think that's healthy. What do you think? 343 700 844-562-4766. Uh, let's see. No, I think what I'm going to do... You know what I'm going to do? Take us out to the break. This I was going to play this later in the show, but I'll play it now. This comes from the old show Dragnet. You remember Dragnet? I do. It's called Advice to Teens. It was said 50 years ago, if I can find the right button here. No, hang on. Don't play it yet. Hang on. There we go. Just had to get it queued up. Okay. So what I'm going to do... This is uh, the two cops in Dragnet talking to a couple of teenagers... And the teenagers don't think they get it. And here's how they respond.
1: You just don't understand. Maybe we do, son. Don't think you have a corner on all of virtue vision in the country or that everybody else is fat and selfish and you're the first generation to come along that's felt dissatisfied. They all have, you know, about different things. And most of them didn't have the same opportunity and freedoms that you do. Let's talk poverty. Most places in the world, that's not a problem. It's a way of life. And rights, they're liable to give you a blank stare because they may not know what you're talking about. The fact is, more people are living better right here than anywhere else ever before in history. So don't expect us to roll over and play dead when you say you're dissatisfied. It's not perfect, but it's a great deal better than when we grew up. A hundred men standing in the street hoping for one job, selling
2: apples on the street corner. That's one of the things we were dissatisfied about, and you don't see that much anymore. You're taller, stronger, healthier, better educated, and you live longer than the last generation. And we don't think that's altogether bad. You've probably never seen a quarantine sign in your neighbor's door. Diphtheria, scarlet fever, whooping cough. Probably none of your classmates are crippled with polio. You don't see many mastoid scars anymore. We've done quite a bit of fighting all around the world. Whether you think it was moral or not, a lot of people are free today to make their own mistakes because of it, and that may just include you. I don't know.
1: Maybe part of it's the fact that you're in a hurry. You've grown up on instant orange juice, flip a dial, instant entertainment, dial seven digits, instant communication, turn a key, push a pedal, instant transportation, flash a card, instant money. Shove in a problem, push a few buttons, instant answers. But some problems you can't get quick answers to, no matter how much you want them. We took a little boy in the Central Receiving Hospital yesterday, he was four years old. He weighs eight and a half pounds. His parents just haven't bothered to feed him. Now give me a fast answer to that one. One that'll stop that from ever happening again. And if you can't settle that one, what about the 55,000 Americans who will die on the highways this year? That's nearly six or seven times the number that'll get killed in Vietnam. Why aren't you up in arms about that? Or is dying in a car somehow moral? Tell me how to wipe out prejudice. I'll settle for just the prejudices you have inside yourselves. Show me how to get rid of the unlimited capacity for human beings to make themselves believe that they're somehow right and justified in stealing from somebody or hurting
2: somebody. And you'll just about put this place here out of business. I don't think that we're telling you to lose your ideals or your sense of outrage. They're the only way things ever get done. And there's a lot that still needs doing. And we hope you'll tackle it. You don't have to do anything dramatic like trying to come up with a better country. You can find enough to keep you busy right here. While you're at it. Don't break things up in the name of progress or crack a placard stick over somebody's head to help him see the light. Be careful of his rights. Because your property and your person and your rights aren't any better than his. And next time... You may be the one to get it. We remember a man who killed six million people and called it social improvement.
3: So hang in. Don't try to build a new country. Make the old one work. It has
1: for over 400 years, and by the world's standards, that's hardly more than yesterday.
4: 17 years I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Motion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility in Cleopatra. Eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them council sent you. That'll make them smile.
5: Hey,
4: John, what did I forget? All i have seen, all I'm hearing this music. Nice cast. I got the watch. Nice cast. Okay. Damn. It's alright. Ah, oh, jeez.
2: There we are. Oh,
0: there. Okay. Okay, sorry about that, folks. There was one little tick box we forgot. We're back. <laughs> oh, man. I love technology. I really do. All right. Let me re kick the show off. Welcome to the Nick at Night Show, folks. Sorry about that. A little technical glitch here. It was a minor one. There was one little, like I said, one little tick box. Um, so we're on the air now. So you missed the first segment of the show. Let me start. I'm just going to start over again. Um, I was on my way here tonight and I stopped at a fast food restaurant just to grab something quick to eat. And it's one of those deals where you walk in and they have uh, the counter, of course, where you place your order. And then when you pay for it, they give you the number. Now, have you ever walked into a store or, or into a, um, into a, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um let's say an Ontario service uh, place or some, some place that renders government service, right? And you, t- you reach up and you take the tag, you know, you take a tag so you know your place in line. And it, it says um, 64. And you look up at, this, at the little screen, it says now serving number seven. <laughs> you know you're going to be there well. Anyway, so they had that feature in this particular fast food outlet. <coughs> Excuse me. So I looked at my tag and I realized there's like seven or eight people ahead of me. But behind me was one of these little kiosks where you can go in and you can build your own hamburger or whatever it is and order, order it and pay for it and all that stuff. And all you had to do was walk to the counter, and pick it up when it was ready. Very, very convenient, very fast. But it's, I think it's a symptom of a greater problem. I think what we've got now is a situation where we are so on one hand, so very connected So very, um, we've never been, we've never had more methods of communication with each other. We've got Facebook, we've got Twitter, we've got Snapchat, we've got this, we've got that, we've got the, we still have the old-fashioned telephone. I mean, for crying out loud, as far as I know, we still have the telegram, okay? So we've never been, the planet has never been more interconnected. Yet at the same time, we've never been more isolated, Look, my son um, is about 28 years old, plays uh, the game Halo, and while he's playing it, they have a feature called TeamSpeak, and he's got half a dozen friends that he stays in touch with, and they're scattered to the winds. One's in Saskatchewan, one's, you know, somewhere else in Ontario. They're scattered all over the place, and they stay in contact with that. Now, that in and of itself is not bad, but I've realized that the problem is, If you are staying, nothing wrong with staying in touch with old friends. But if that's all you ever do, you never make new ones. Like when I was growing up, we had the dial telephone and you had letters. And if you wanted to, you could take a cassette and make a recording and send it home. And then they could listen to you actually, instead of writing a letter, you could actually just talk to them that way. But it was very... um, uh what was the heck was I talking about? I saw something on Facebook just threw me for a loop. Snapchat is porn. It better not be my kids use it. Anyway. Anyway, in other words, we're only you were limited in your ability to communicate. Okay? So you when 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 you moved, if you left when you left home or when you moved from one city to another, you had no choice but to make new friends. Either that or you lived like a hermit. So I, I see this as a great double-edged sword there's many things about it that are attractive about the technology that we're, we're going ahead with but at the same time there's a real definite downside and that is this continued isolation of the individual how is it that you can have people so connected and y- that the way they are today and yet you know have in their circle of friends, they, and even the word friends is different now. Like on Facebook, I've got 1,700 friends. Now, look, let's be honest. I'm glad you're all there, but the vast majority of these people I have never met. So the, fr- the word friend is used in the loosest sense. Now, I'm sure that the vast majority of them are very nice people. Okay, they must be. Uh, they're a member of Nick's Knights, so of course i'm not knocking i 'm not knocking that. What I am trying to say is that if you want to build uh you know over a lifetime friends you can count on that takes time that takes being you know in each other's company learning to trust and respect each other that's the kind of friendship that all of us are looking for. And we're just losing it. We really are. I think it's one of the least talked about aspects about all our modern technology. Everything from the driverless car to, to you know, stores with no clerks in them anymore and all this stuff. I was, when I go into a store, whether it be to buy gas or if I'm picking up something at the grocery store or something like that, I actually enjoy the exchange between myself and the cashier. Some of them look like they just sucked on a lemon. They're just absolutely miserable. They got no time for anybody. It's a job and they just want to get it done and they got no time for anybody with a sense of humor because i always like to jerk around goof around goof around i'm you know i'm a bit of a um a ham and uh somebody'll ask me how i'm doing and and the vast majority when time when someone says how are you doing you say oh, i'm i'm fine how are you i almost never give that answer because first of all everybody says it they don't even think about it it's like you know just an automatic response but I like to let people know that I'm actually alive and I'm thinking. Now, I may not be thinking all that well, but so a lot of times I'll look at them and say, if man, if I was any better, I'd be out under the apple tree looking for the bent penny. Now I have no idea whether that's good or bad, but he certainly stops him in their tracks. I said, what, wait, wait, that's, and now you've got a bit of a conversation going. Now, depending on the scenario If there's like 42 people in line and I'm trying to make funny with a a cashier, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to respect the people's time behind me. But if I'm the only one there, okay, and she's bored to tears or he's bored to tears, what's wrong with putting a little smile on their face by being just a little different? But if there's no cashier there, then how are you supposed to do that? It's just you. You walk out in the midst of the sea of millions of people totally and completely alone. So I don't like this trend. Now, Let's see. Where are we? Uh, I got it. Oh, I know why, because that's hiding that. So I'm going to grab that. There we are. Let's put it over here. Okay, there. Now, um, one of the things I want to do, I played this in the, in the when I first thought I was starting the show. But I'm going to go back to it. I want you to hear this. This comes from, you remember the show Dragnet? It was um, a show that uh, featured the guy who went on to play Colonel Potter and MASH. Uh, that's one voice you'll hear. And for the life of me, I don't know the name of the main, main guy. Uh, but this is, was said 50 years ago. So let me play it again. This time you guys can actually hear it. Uh, so this is the two cops in the show talking to a couple of disgruntled teenagers who they say just don't get it. Let me do that and you listen to this
1: just don't understand maybe we do son don't think you have a corner on all of virtue vision in the country or that everybody else is fat and selfish and you're the first generation to come along that's felt dissatisfied they all have you know about different things and most of them didn't have the same opportunity and freedoms that you do let's talk poverty most places in the world that's not a problem it's a way of life and rights they're liable to give you a blank stare because they may not know what you're talking about the fact is more people are living better right here than anywhere else ever before in history so don't expect us to roll over and play dead when you say you're dissatisfied. It's not perfect, but it's a great deal better than when we grew up. A hundred men standing in the street hoping for one job, selling apples on the street corner. That's one of the things we
2: were dissatisfied about, and you don't see that much anymore. You're taller, stronger, healthier, better educated, and you'll live longer than the last generation. And we don't think that's altogether bad. You've probably never seen a quarantine sign in your neighbor's door. Diphtheria, scarlet fever, whooping cough. Probably none of your classmates are crippled with polio. You don't see many mastoid scars anymore. We've done quite a bit of fighting all around the world. Whether you think it was moral or not, a lot of people are free today to make their own mistakes because of it. And that may just include you. I don't know. Maybe part of it's the fact that you're in a hurry.
1: You've grown up on instant orange juice. Flip a dial. Instant entertainment. Dial seven digits. Instant communication. Turn a key. Push a pedal. Instant transportation. Flash a card. Instant money. Shove in a problem. Push a few buttons. Instant answers. But some problems you can't get quick answers to, no matter how much you want them. We took a little boy in the Central Receiving Hospital yesterday. He was four years old. He weighs eight and a half pounds. His parents just haven't bothered to feed him. Now, give me a fast answer to that one. One that'll stop that from ever happening again. And if you can't settle that, one, what about the 55,000 Americans who will die on the highways this year? That's nearly six or seven times the number that'll get killed in Vietnam. Why aren't you up in arms about that? Or is dying in a car somehow moral? Tell me how to wipe out prejudice. I'll settle for just the prejudices you have inside yourselves. Show me how to get rid of the unlimited capacity for human beings to make themselves believe that they're somehow right and justified in stealing from somebody, or hurting
2: somebody. And you'll just about put this place here out of business. I don't think that we're telling you to lose your ideals or your sense of outrage. They're the only way things ever get done. And there's a lot that still needs doing, and we hope you'll tackle it. You don't have to do anything dramatic like trying to come up with a better country you can find enough to keep you busy right here. While you're at it, don't break things up in the name of progress or crack a placard stick over somebody's head to help him see the light. Be careful of his rights, because your property and your person and your rights aren't any better than his. And next time, you may be the one to get it. We remember a man who killed six million people and called it social improvement. So hang in.
1: Don't try to build a new country. Make the old one work. It has for over 400 years. And by the world's standards, that's hardly more than yesterday.
6: Timmo's 2000 Mobile Auto Cleaning comes right to your driveway, makes your vehicle look brand new again. Classic cars, bikes, boats, RVs, dump trucks, hot rods, tractors, transport trucks. We can even make your minivan look like the day you drove it off the lot. Did you spill too much coffee on your seat? Did Junior decide he couldn't wait till he got home? And yuck, maybe you're just long overdue for that meticulous cleaning. Maybe you want to sell the old beast. Smartest thing you can do is make it look brand new again. Timmo's 2000, 613-327-8498, 613-327-8498, or go to timos2000.com.
0: That's 343-700-4390, and 844-562-4766. Nick at LateNightCouncil.com works as well. Now, there's a piece of news I just had to laugh at, and you might as well... You know what? you got to look for humor where you can find it because there's precious little of it out there today. I want (laughs) to this made me laugh out loud. The headline caught my attention. Early results from Wisconsin recount increased Donald Trump's margin of victory. Now, headlines can sometimes be deceiving. So you never go just by the headline by itself. You have to read the story or at least enough of it to get the gist, right? Okay, so let me give you enough of it to get the gist. Uh, Let's see, this is from Associated Press, and it starts this way. Michigan's presidential recount expanded to several new counties on Tuesday, including its largest one that includes Detroit. Meanwhile, the fate of a statewide recount push in Pennsylvania must wait at least until Friday when the federal judge has scheduled a hearing on it. President-elect Donald Trump narrowly defeated Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton in both states and Wisconsin, which started its recount last week. The recounts requested by Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein were not expected to change enough votes to overturn the results. Which begs the question then why bother? However, that's, <laughs> that's not in the article. Stein, who received about 1% of the vote in all three states, says her intent is to verify the accuracy. She has suggested, with no evidence, that votes cast were susceptible to computer hacking. Here's what's happening in each state and in Nevada when a partial recount of the race was requested by Independent President Kennedy Rock de la Fuente in Wisconsin. Trump had widened his margin over Clinton in Wisconsin by 146 votes, with 23 of the state's 72 counties having finished their recounts as of Tuesday. In those counties, Trump gained 105 votes, and Clinton dropped 41. <laughs> He defeated Clinton by about 22,000 votes Uh, in Michigan. A federal judge in Detroit ordered a statewide hand recount of roughly 4.8 million ballots that started in two of the states, that started in two of the states, 83 counties on Monday. Six more started recounting Tuesday, including the largest uh, in the largest county in the county of Wayne. Republicans appealed that ruling on Monday. Uh, Let's see. Uh, let's see. It's not, it's possible not all votes will be recounted in Wayne because of improper seals on ballot boxes and other issues. In such case, the original vote would stand. Clinton won 67% of Wayne County's vote. Trump won the state, won the state by about 10,700 votes or two-tenths of a percentage point over Clinton. And this goes on (laughs) I can't help it. It's just funny that, that the more they count, the more votes they find for, for Trump. You know, maybe if you're mad about Trump winning, you really ought to stop counting. You know what really is sad about this is that these the, the people who lost, hate. they just can't stand it. They can't handle it. They cannot handle They lost. And that's what's driving all of this. It's not that Trump won. It's that they lost. They just can't get their head around that. So I just thought I'd share that little piece of humor with you because <laughs> I gotta admit, when I read that, he's increasing his lead the more they count. <laughs> okay, that was funny. Now, on another issue, let me bring this up. I want you to listen to this. If I can find it here. No, no, that's another bad day. Oh, no, I can drop that one now. It's here somewhere. If I keep looking, I'll find it. Darn it. Okay. Anyway, there was a story uh, out of the press this week um, about, in Alberta, they're mad at NDP Premier Rachel uh, Notley. And there was a rally out front. And I really got to find it. I'm going to save that because I want to make sure I have all my facts straight. And I'm just having a, a mental block. Let me move on. Oh, yes. This will do until we get to the next break. Let me find that one. Okay. I want you to sh- I want to share. Now these are planks of a political party's platform. Okay? Now, I want you to think about who this what party this sounds like. Okay? Because there's several candidates. All right. Okay, let's start here. That all unearned income and all c- income that does not arise from work be abolished. Since every war imposes on people fearful sacrifices in blood and treasure, all personal profit arising from that war must be regarded as treason to the people. We therefore demand total confiscation of all war profits. We demand the nationalization of all trusts. We demand profit sharing in large industries. We demand generous increases in old age pensions. In order to carry out this program, we demand... The creation of a strong central authority in the state. The unconditional authority by the political central parliament of the whole state and all its organizations. The formation of professional committees and committees representing the several estates of the realm to ensure that the laws promulgated by the central authority shall be carried out by the federal states. The leaders of the party undertake to promote the execution of the foregoing points at all costs, if necessary, at the sac- to the sacrifice of their own lives. All right, now does that maybe the last sentence might be a bit of a stretch? I will admit, I don't think there's many politicians out there going to say "I'll die for the cause." Literally, no, no. But the rest of it has a pretty familiar ring, don't you think? I mean, if you think about, let's say, the NDP's platform, sound familiar? Think about the Liberals' platform. You know, all things to all people, all time, to- all the time, everywhere. Sound familiar? Now. Because you're all dying to know. That comes from the 1930s Nazi Party platform. Funny how they don't want to own that one. And I'm talking about the left and the progressives. Now, look, I'm not trying to say that these people are Nazis, but they seem to have some things in common with them, don't they? I just, I just thought, listen, the problem, what I'm trying to point out here is socialism is not exactly what everybody wants you to think that it is. Okay. And it's this socialism or progressivism, as it's called now, is a horrible disease. It really is. And it almost, it, it leads to communism and almost always leads to violence. And if you doubt me, take a look at the, the, the election and Donald Trump. Who are the ones who are being violent? Who are the ones, you know, burning police cars and, and and you know, ment- mentally melting down and, and going out in the street and protesting where, you know, pers- private property, they're beating people who supported Donald Trump. These are the progressives, the socialists. Because once, if they can't get their way, they don't know what else to do. So the only thing left to them is violence. Now, a lot of people will say, geez, that's mighty strong language. Well, explain it any other way. Like, why would Clinton supporters go out and tear the country apart just because Hillary Clinton didn't win? When Obama won, did Republicans go and burn the country down? No. When he won the second time, did they do it? No. There was some angst about it, but there was none of what we see now. No, I'm telling you, you got to, you know, as much as I hate to say it, these are the kind of things that lead to all kinds of trouble. Socialism is not your friend. It has never been your friend. It has been your enemy. It is your enemy and always will be your enemy. And if you doubt it, because there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, you conservatives, man, you want everybody to die in the streets with no health care. Look, we're not the ones that that is that is such a ridiculous statement, you know, that that all we ever care about is money and all we ever want is you know uh, we don't want to pay for anything and we want to let people die no nonsense not that's utter nonsense when you look back over our history before socialism took root were there people dying in this you realize we haven't had somebody starve to death in Canada for want of food since 1900 it's not like it's a problem you know it's it did it's not something that happened we just didn't allow it. As a matter of fact, you'll find that in the days when hospitals were charitable organizations funded from their own communities, did you know that Pembroke used to have four hospitals in it? How come there's only one now? Oh, centralized medicine, that's right. Think of this. If that, those four hospitals, which were paid for by the people of that city of Pembroke, had found out that somebody had walked into that hospital and could not afford to pay but was in dire need of medical attention, there would have been hell to pay. And the people who ran those hospitals knew it. They were answerable to their community, and it was immediate. There was no blue ribbon panel to find out what happened. There was none of this stuff. If it hit the papers and people found out about it, there were changes, and it happened fast. It was the best form of accountability there was. And yet now, not only do we have people sitting, you see, people don't die in the streets anymore because of lack of health care. They die in the hospitals. They die in the waiting room while they're waiting for help. That's where it happens now. We've just moved it off the street, under socialized. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have a health care system. I'm just not sure if this is the best way to go about it. Anyway, I'm rambling on, so I'm going to take a break, and when we get back, I'll have more right after this. ¶¶
7: We often hear about the supposed dangers of human-induced climate change. But what about the disastrous consequences of climate policy? For example, the closing of Ontario's coal stations was the single most important cause of the 318% rise in power rates since 2002. Thousands of industrial wind turbines are being erected across the province, killing birds and bats and ruining the lives of people living nearby. The expanded use of biofuels has led to 6.5% of the world's grain going to fuel instead of food. Only 6% of the $1 billion spent every day on climate finance goes to helping people today. The rest is dedicated to trying to stop climate change that may someday happen. Yet the reports of the non-governmental International Panel on Climate Change show that the science backing the climate scare is highly uncertain. Isn't it time we focused on problems we know to be real? This message is brought to you by ClimateScienceInternational.org internationalorg
3: We'll
0: All right, 343 700 zero, zero, 4390 844 562 4766. Let's go to the phones. And let me click on talk. There it goes. Hang on, we'll get to you in just a second. Hey, good evening. Welcome to Nick Night Show. Who am I talking to?
8: Stephanie.
0: Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Oh, if I was any better, I kind of feel like a soccer player. <laughs> With one leg. I don't know whether I should kick or run, and I'm not smart enough to know that neither one's really an option.
8: <laughs> Sometimes I just, i you think you've heard it all, and, and then you get some more news, and it's just, you, you just can't,
0: what's, can't what's, take more? No, Okay, so what's bugging uh, you now?
8: Well, I just wanted to... Um, Talk a little bit because about the progressive violence. Oh yeah, because people are very shocked. Um, I have been activist based for since um, spring 2015, mm-hmm. and uh, people are very surprised what happens even in Canada. So sometimes we look at the states and we think, well, that's there, you know, and. And that's them. And people, uh, you know, the progressives are very—they're they're violent even here. And my husband put me in kung fu self-defense mm-hmm. as soon as once I started attending rallies and protests regularly. Right. To as a precaution. Mm-hmm. And I had to actually—I attended a rally. It was in support of doctors. There's Bill Forty One. And among other things, it talks about the government having access to your private health care information. Right. That's a little scary. What has the government ever been able to keep track of confidentially and, uh, on you know, keep information on a large scale? I mean, they they just mismanage. Well, we hear about breaches of
0: that tax. kind of thing all the time. Briefcases ending up in dumpsters, hard drives getting tossed away, and you know, or picked up or dropped someplace. Yeah, it happens all time. I won't say all the time, but it's quite frequent.
8: Yes. So the the doctors were protesting this Ontario provincial bill that the Liberals are pushing through, and I went to the rally, and we started at a community center, and we walked down to the Liberal MPP's office, and. You know, we're outside. We're not blocking the doorway. People can go in and around us. And this woman started. She pushes me. She pushed the main doctor that was speaking, and there was plenty of room for her. But she was getting very aggressive. Right. And I, you know, the, there's no Canadian law that allows for privacy if you're walking on the street. And I, I told my friend, get a picture of her. Because, you know you, you know, you just don't know how things, what's going to happen, what's going to go down. Right. So she, she just went bananas. And I had to run into the street and get chased down a police car because you just don't know. She could have a knife on her. She could have a syringe. You don't know.
3: Yeah, the, and some kind
8: of they, weapon. Yeah. You know, there was no reason for her to keep going in and out and pushing and shoving us. well the tra- she even pushed a minor.
2: The
0: tragedy is, and this is, this, I think what it is is, what, what happens is with a lot of these people, and I'm not trying to paint with two broad a brush here, but let's face it, most of the people who call themselves progressives are the ones who are... No. The people who call themselves progressives, this is the camp that it comes from. I'm not going to say that everyone who calls themselves progressive is violent. That's not true. But that's the quarter that it comes from. And again, you look at the March for Life protest. 25,000 people on the hill. No arrests. No trouble, unless it's somebody there protesting the march, not the marchers, the march. Yeah,
8: exactly. You've got My women, friend, women. Just you it know, goes this on. Year, yep, she had a sign ripped out of her, and it it twisted her wrist. And at some point, because I had to leave for the March for Life, I didn't get to see the parade part because it was delayed because of aggressive people. Right, and they had to redirect the parade this year because there was. A big group of troublemakers, so I didn't, I couldn't stay, and I guess that they yanked. Uh, there was a bagpipe guy. I don't know if he was at the very beginning of the march or somewhere in. Hmm. You know, when they marched from hit the hill to Supreme Court, right? And they pulled it right out of his mouth.
2: Holy smokes!
8: One of the you know, so it. I, I really, it's it's very annoying that you know, uh, often conservative-minded people are painted as the 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 violent ones, and that's not the case at all. And, you know, we all have stories like, you know, when you put yourself out there that they digress, they they can't use logic or reason or real science, and you're just hammered, they call you names. And, well, and then you know you've won.
0: You know something? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. When you start, it's a badge of honour when they start calling you names because you know that it's over. Yeah. But not yeah. to bring up the abortion issue, but... I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and uh, we got talking about how violent uh, a lot of these progressives can be. And we got talking about the argument about abortion where, well, we can't have women doing abortions in back alleys with coat hangers, you know, and that's their, their mantra. We got to make sure that never happens. Well, turns out it never did. They can't cite Mm -hmm. one single case. They can't, the closest they ever came was, um, there were two instances where a woman tried, mechan- and I'll be gentle here, mechan- to mechanically end their own pregnancies. And it, in both cases, it went bad, but it had nothing to do with a lack of abor- abortion services. So they make stuff yeah. up. They lie about it. They get violent when you call them on it. And there's no yeah. ability to reason with them. And this is why I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, because I have run into uh, people who call themselves progressive, and, but are willing to engage you. I've got some of them on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, they're willing to engage, talk and debate and swap evidence and stories and things like that back and forth. That's fine. That's all legitimate. But the moment you pick up a, a, a rock or the moment you torch a police car, you know, this whole protest about uh, Trump. Hey, listen, when you start burning police cars and break, and destroying public property and attacking people, that's not a protest. That's a riot.
8: Mm-hmm. So, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it... it it's not the, the right-leaning people that are doing it. No, it is. It's, it's, you know, I, uh, you can attend these rallies and you see what is going on. And the media always, um, you know, they're always very deceiving in how they portray it.
0: Oh, and you they know something. ignore it. Oh yeah, I, I was just going to. I was just agreeing with you that yes, they either ignore yeah. it or they they take something completely out of context and blow it up into a non-story. Yeah. So yeah. it's something they're very good at and have done for a long time.
3: Hmm. Hmm.
8: So that's you know we really uh, we need to do kind of what Trump did and just be our own media. Well, just cut them all out.
0: You know what's funny is uh, I I know from uh, my time in 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 mainstream media that uh, they brag about their their market share, you know how many what their percent what their points are what their score is. They do their rating sweeps and all that, and they talk about how their ratings going up. But it's like saying I'm getting a bigger piece of a smaller pie, because yeah mm-hmm. okay so what the pie is getting smaller overall. More people are turning to the internet and to other sources, so that it's yeah. like saying well I used to have. 3% of a million people listening to me. But now I got 50% of 100. You know.
8: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, big deal. Yeah. You know. So anyway. Yeah. Thank you very much for the call. I appreciate
8: it. Yes.
0: You have a good all night. Right. Now. Bye-bye.
8: Thanks. Bye.
0: Yeah, there's all kinds of this kind of nonsense that goes on. And like I said, I'll be I'm being a little bit careful here cuz I don't want to I don't want to represent every um person who calls himself progressive, as a violent, knuckle-dragging Neanderthal. But when you look at history, recent and otherwise, that is the quarter that it comes from. And there have been some pretty dark chapters in our history written by people of that ilk. Now, when we I'm going to take a quick little break here. When we get back, Chris Alexander has decided he wants to distance himself up from something that happened in Alberta. I'll I'll play you a, a video clip, an audio clip. Well, it's a video clip, but I'll play it over the. I'll play it and let you listen to it if you haven't heard it yet. And I just don't understand what they don't understand about this. Because to me, it's really simple. But people would say I'm just too simple to get it, I guess. All right. You listen to this when we come back. I'll play that clip for you.
4: I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra. Eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them council sent you. That'll make him smart.
0: All right, uh, there's the Nick at Night Show here on, on uh, the, <clears throat> well, it's the Nick at Night Show. John Council has his show, I have mine. I keep wanting to say it's on the John Council Show. Uh, the numbers to reach me are 343-700-4390, 844-562-4766. That's 343-700-4390, 844-562-4766. And the last caller demonstrated something, by the way. It's painless. You can call me and it doesn't hurt. Even if you disagree with me, I promise you will walk away without any cuts or bruises. You might have to defend yourself if you disagree with me, and that's fine, psychologically speaking, of course, because sometimes, uh, you know, I tend to uh, challenge people, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to chew your head off. So don't be afraid. You can send me a note at at nickatlatenightcouncil.com as well. I'll have a look at uh, my emails in a little bit just to make sure I'm not missing anybody. But I wanted to get into this thing about uh, uh, Alexander, uh, Chris Alexander. Now, he was a former immigration minister in the Harper government, and uh, he's running for leader of the uh, Conservative Party of Canada. And he was out at a rally in Alberta. And he was, like every politician, fanning the crowd and, you know, uh, trying to get them pumped up and all that. And they started to chant... They were talking about Rachel Notley. And let's face it, the people in Alberta have every right to be angry with their new premier. She is destroying that province. She really is. And the policies they're putting in place, the things they're doing are just, there's no reason for. It's not what, yes, they were mad at the conservatives or, and they didn't like the Wild Rose Party. So out of anger, they put in the NDP. Well, believe me, I think there's a lot of buyer's remorse out there. But the anger is very real, so the people began to tr- to chant "lock her up." Now they associate that with the chant from the Trump campaign, as if somehow chanting something is all of a sudden ha- hate speech. Because there's a big difference between chanting "lock her up" and "string her up," which nobody ever said. Okay, but being as as sensitive as marshmallows as some of these people are everybody's going, whoa, 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 we can't have... That's just... Uh, Rona Ambrose called them idiots and unacceptable and just, you know, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's the part they don't understand. When there's a crowd of people standing on the legislative uh, legislative steps of, the, of an assembly, whether it be in Alberta, Ontario, or Nova Scotia, and they're chanting, lock her up, you don't tell them they're idiots. You don't disassociate yourself. What you do is say... I hear you, I understand your anger, so let's vote her out at the next election. That's what you do. You don't go, oh my God, you guys are just, I don't want nothing to do with you. They're angry. They're angry. Get it through your head. Rather than try to pour water on that fire... Why not channel it and direct it into health and help? That's what leadership is. Do you realize that? That's what leadership is. The ability to take energy like that and channel it into a useful purpose. Like, no, nobody's calling. When they say lock her up, they don't mean they're going to storm the building, find her, and slap cuffs on her and throw her in a jail cell. They're frustrated. They're angry. They don't know what else to do. So if they pick up on a chant, As long as they're not calling for a physical, you know, attack on the person, then why would you ever tell them they're stupid? Which is basically what they've done. I'm going to play this clip for you. you listen to it. And then you tell me whether my assessment's right or whether these these people who come out and condemn them are. Here we go. Let's see. If this buffers, I I hope it doesn't buffer. Uh, If it does, just bear with it.
5: hope canada could remain above the disturbing politics of division seen in the united states appears to be gone after a political rally in alberta this
0: okay let me stop the tape there for just a second (laughs) what is she (laughs) you hear the bias built into this right off the bat right out of the of the host's mouth okay let me continue
5: This weekend an angry mob chanted the trump slogan lock her up in reference to Premier Rachel Notley, while a Conservative leadership candidate looked on and did nothing to shut it down. Here's CT. CG-
0: so apparently, free speech. Oh my God, no, we can't have that. Hang on, let me click that
5: button. He's Omar Sachedina. Seconds after Chris Alexander mentioned the Alberta Premier, the crowd's anger started to swell. Then they roared. <laughs> as the conservative leadership hopeful cracked a smile, even appeared to encourage the demonstrators. Today, he tried to explain. I was shocked. I was, I was taken aback. Uh, and it took me a while to understand what was going on. The rally on the steps of the Alberta legislature was organized by a right-wing media group. Furious protesters denounced Rachel Notley's decision to impose a carbon tax in January. But now, Alexander's critics are denouncing his decision for failing to speak up sooner.
4: We have someone who's, who's uh,
7: you know, uh, vying to become a leader of a, of a, of a party that has a considerable standing and is, you know, not taking steps to actually condemn behavior. Well, I
4: absolutely
5: uh, dissociate myself from that uh, part of the of the of the meeting but he says not his job to admonish the demonstrators to chastise a crowd who is saying something very spontaneously on the basis of real emotion Donald Trump supporters frequently yelled lock her up at his rallies during the US election referencing his rival Hillary Clinton As for the Alberta protesters... People acting like idiots. The federal conservative leader who represents an Edmonton area riding condemned the chant.
8: It's not only unoriginal, it's completely inappropriate. We don't lock people up in Canada for bad
5: policy. Even Alberta's opposition party is supporting the premier. I don't think Trump-style politics has any place in Alberta politics. Chris Alexander claims he tried to change the chant from lock her up to vote her out, but that isn't reflected in the video. As for Notley, she's staying out of it, Lisa, offering no reaction so far. All right, Omar, CTV's Omar.
0: All right, so there you go. Now, first of all, hang on, I, gotta stop, I thought that was stopped. All right, hit that button. There we go. So there you have it. The crowd is angry. They're venting their frustration. Nobody's storming the barricades. No one is carrying pitchforks or lanterns. And yet Rona Ambrose calls it completely inappropriate. So we're supposed to be nothing but marshmallows. We're supposed to be nothing but, you know, little fluffy cushions. Oh, well, we're unhappy. You know, there's an old joke that says, uh, it comes from a movie. I think it might have been Captain America or something like that. Um, Said, if you don't do what we want you to do, we will write you a letter and tell you how angry we are. And the villain says, and if I don't? Well, we will write you another letter and tell you how really angry we are. Is that supposed to be how our response is? Whatever happened to passion? Whatever happened to, you know, caring enough to get downright angry and bang the table like I'm doing right now because I'm fed up with this nonsense? I want a leader who's not afraid of the press. I want a leader who stands up and says, wait a minute. Why is it wrong for them to vent their frustration? No one was going to, th- no one was threatening any physical harm. No one was calling for violence. And who would associate that with Trump-style politics. Well, whoever said that, I forget who said it in the, um, oh, the leader of the opposition in Alberta said, Trump-style politics has no place in, in um, Canada. I- <coughs> Excuse me. I got news for him. It's not Trump-style politics. As Western-style politics come alive, what do you think is going on in Italy? What do you think happened in England? What do you think just happened in the United States? And what do you think's going to happen here in Canada? When, the, when these people wake up the day after the next election to find out they've been booted out on their asses because for too long they said, that's not appropriate, to the masses. And the masses basically flipped them the bird because they've had enough of being preached to from people in ivory towers. That's, what the, that's, that's the way a real leader would respond. That's what Mr. Alexander should have said when he was talking to that host or having that interview. Say, wait a minute, why are we chastising them? They're simply telling us how angry they are. They're pointing out there's a problem. It's my job to help them fix it. We're not talking about breaking the law. So somebody says, lock her up. Big, fat, hairy deal. Suck it up, buttercup. And yet, oh boy, we can't have that. Oh boy, that's terrible. Baloney. You know, we are so lily-livered and thin-skinned in this country, it is embarrassing. And we got to bend over and apologize for everything. Is this how we won World War II? Is this how we performed in Korea? Is this how we built the Canadian Pacific Railway? Dug Dorito Canal? Where's the spine and the courage and the spirit that did that? I'm telling you, I am so fed up with this stuff that it makes me ill just to think about it. There was nothing wrong with what those people did in Alberta. The only thing wrong was there wasn't enough of them. There should have been 50,000, not 1,000. There should have been 75,000 people on those steps making that chant. Because there's nothing wrong with it. If Notley doesn't like it, then maybe she should look at why they're chanting it instead of getting mad at them. If the press doesn't like it, maybe they should ask themselves what they're missing, just like they missed down south of the border, just like they missed in England when Nigel Farage led the English to Brexit. Oh, there's going to be hell to pay, that's for sure. And they they think they know how it's going to go, but I got a feeling they're in for a very very rude awakening. 434370043908445624766. Four, zero, zero, six. Call me and tell me, am I right? Have you had enough of this or should I be more gentle? Should I be more compassionate? Should I care more about You know, the feelings of other people who might get offended at what I have to say. You know something? I don't go around intentionally being offensive. I express my opinion. And if other people have a problem with that, that's their circus, that's their monkeys. They're the ones that have to deal with it, not me. Because I'm allowed to have my opinion. So are you. And no one has the right to take that away from you. Not if we're really truly a free country. And yet every time you turn around, you're being told, there was a piece, I wish I'd have thought of it, I'd have brought it up. Maybe, maybe we'll play it next week. Tim Allen is quickly becoming one of my favorite actors. He he was. I was always a fan of his. But I've seen a couple of interviews with him now, uh, when he was just being Tim Allen. And that guy has more character and more backbone than a lot of people I know. And in his character in Last Man Standing... Uh, the story goes, if I remember it right from the video, and it's available on Facebook if you want to go look it up. His his daughter is trying to graduate, and her father, who's very much like me actually, because <laughs> he hates po- political correctness, absolutely hates it. And um, she, he's been asked to give a bit of a speech. Now I don't under I don't watch the show. I've only seen the video clip, but he says, uh, "Good evening, ladies and gentlemen." Says, Stop right there. So why? What? <laughs> Or some lady just fell over? Said, no, no. Uh, you can't say that. Can't say what? Ladies and gentlemen, because it might offend somebody who doesn't identify as either a man or a woman. And in the end, he, he's given a list of like 4,000 words he can't use. And he said, if I go through this and say this speech the way you the way they want me to say it, I'll betray everything I believe in. And she said, yeah, but only for 15 minutes. Is that what our integrity means to us anymore? Like, I don't know if the writers of the show realized what they were saying, but it was just, holy mackerel. This is uh, just, it's another example of how this kind of stuff has run amok. And Chris Alexander and Andrew Ambrose, um, Rona Ambrose, and all the others who ran like sheep or ran like chickens away from this, what a complete disaster. What a complete mistake. This is why people are jaded about politics. This, You know, there is such a longing. There is. Such, do you know want, want to know one of the reasons why Trump won? Because flawed as he is, he was one of the very few who would stand up and speak his mind without fear. That's what people are longing for. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> the people want, and I don't mean people, and I'm one of them who want it. I want somebody that I can count on to have my back on the public stage, to not betray the things that I believe in. Isn't that right, Patrick Brown? He didn't have a very good week, by the way. I'll get into that in a minute. But just this idea that. Everything has to be so guarded and so perfect and so, oh, you can't say that because you might offend. You can't say that because you might offend. Screw that. I am not being intentionally offensive if I speak, if I share my opinion with somebody. If I want to be intentionally offensive, I can do that. But that's, <coughs> but that's not my nature. I don't go out of my way to be intentionally flam, uh, inflammatory. And yet, if I ever spoke my mind openly and freely, I get labeled every name in the book. And, f- and quite to be quite honest, I don't care. You know, when you're out there and you're trying to live your life and somebody throws this gar- garbage in your face and calls you uh, some kind of phobe or some kind of ist or some kind of whatever... Um, you know, little tag they want to throw at you because you've said something they didn't like. The proper response is just to bat it aside. Engage them. Somebody calls you a some kind of you know, oh, you're you're anti-this or anti. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, all right. But what about this? Bat it aside and just dive in. Don't be afraid of it. And yet, you know, man, it's frustrating. All right. Speaking of Patrick Brown. You know, this is getting out of hand. He's, I, I personally think Patrick Bound is done like dinner. The harder he tries, the worser it gets. He's trying to get a handle on this whole uh, strategy he's employed or the, the, the um, forest fire that has sprung up from the strategy he's employed to weed out social conservatives. And I'm sorry, that's what this is. He can color it any way he wants to. But that's not what's going on here. It's far more nefarious than that. Here's a piece from the Toronto Sun. Star, sorry. Uh, he says the headline is Patrick Brown appears to be keeping social conservatives at bay. Uh, Would be candidates say, well, there's no, there's no guesswork. You don't have to look very far. Look at what's happened to young Mister Osterhoff. All of a sudden, he's ducking and weaving like a sparring partner you know over his social uh, his his social position because he was a surprise he wasn't supposed to get nominated he did, they didn't think he'd win so they didn't pay him any attention and when he did win post it caused mr brown some headaches because now what's he going to do with the guy so he had to tell him hey you toe the line or else and poor mr Uster sorry is only 19 he doesn't know he doesn't have to be intimidated by that brown didn't get him elected The people of his writing did, or the nominated, the people of his writing did. Those are the ones he has to answer to. Now, you do, if you vote, if you belong to a particular party, you do it because you believe in the principles of that party. But this party has long since given up on principles. So what's he got to be afraid of? Anyway, let me share some of this with you. After being saddled with a teenage MPP, Tory leader Patrick Brown is stepping up efforts to stop social conservatives from running for his party in the 2018 election. The Progressive Conservative chief has ejected at least five would-be candidates, including those who oppose abortion rights, same-sex marriage, and the updated sex, sex ed curriculum in recent nomination battles. There seems to be some sort of an aggression pointed towards social conservatives in that party now, said Jay who who is vying to run in the Ottawa area riding of Carleton until he was shunted aside last month before, before Goldie Gamari won the nomination. He may run as an independent in 2018. Let's see. Let's shoot down a little bit here. Last week, Derek Duvall, who sold 1,200 Tory memberships at $10 apiece in, in Glen Gary Prescott Russell, was disqualified from running in the Eastern Ontario Riding. On his Facebook page, Duvall said he was turfed after former MPP Garfield Dunlop, now a party employee, accused me of filming someone eating a hamster off a hockey stick. We went over this all last week when it was on the air and talked about all that. But basically, if you missed it, they took a, like a 30-year-old video, which he wasn't even in, and showed some kid eating putin off a hockey stick. And the guy said, he's eating a hamster. You're disqualified. But they didn't give back the $10,000 he raised or $12,000 he raised. They kept the money and booted him out two days before. We went over that last week too. but, And in another article, uh, let's see. This is one from iPolitics. <laughs> now, he's he's trying to put... Um, he's trying. To, this is Patrick trying to put a um, a positive spin all on it, okay? And he, he, he says, uh, the Tory said the nominations for 2018 would start in January of 2017, but Brown says that it was moved up because he wants all candidates in place by the end of 2017, and that means doing 10 nominations a month for the next year. There's so much interest right now in running for a party, he said, would do some pretty extensive vetting, and that means there will be candidates that get disqualified. If there was a grain of truth, if there was integrity behind that, I wouldn't care. I really wouldn't. But when you look at the way it's done, there's no integrity here. Otherwise, you would do the vetting at the beginning. Do you realize they used to do that? If you wanted to run for the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario and you said that you you made that intention known, they would bring you in and they would vet you. And the reason they vet you is to find out if you had a criminal record or if you had DUI or if you were, you know, there was something about you that if found out would embarrass the party. And that I don't have any problem with. That's called due diligence. That's fine. But they changed that. And now anybody who wants to be a candidate can go out and sell memberships. Raise, they could raise a million dollars. Then they're vetted at the last minute. And if the party doesn't like them, they kick them up and keep the money. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm no lawyer by any stretch. But I do want to ask this. If you make your intention known that you want to run for this particular elected position and you want to be the candidate for the party and no one tells you that you can't and you go out and raise money and you're telling people, here, join the PC Party of Ontario. It'll cost you $10 and please vote for me at the candidate selection meeting and then two days and you do that over and over and over and over again. And you bring in, I'm being hypothetical, but let's say you brought in a million dollars. never mind that. Let's just say it's 10 grand. And then you go to the party and you have your vetting process and they kick you out, but they don't refund the money. My understanding of the law isn't perfect by a long stretch. I'm no lawyer. I'm not even a paralegal. I'm just an average guy that does a radio show. But isn't that fraud? Isn't that false advertising? Isn't that illegal? Wouldn't that cause the party some kind of problem? Legally? Has anybody ever thought about that? You cannot promise somebody something, take their money, and then not deliver. You have given $10,000, $1,200 in... in, um, Mr. Duvall's case, you have promised 1,200 people by them them giving you $10, they have the right to vote for the candidate of their choice. And then by kicking the candidate they were going to choose out of the process and not refunding your money, you're telling them thanks for the money, but you can't vote because they wouldn't vote for anybody else. That's why they signed up for this guy. I'd love to hear an illegal opinion on that. I'd love to see somebody make that case. Because, man, I'm telling you, something's got to be done. This kind of nonsense has to stop. Wouldn't that be interesting? Anybody, a lawyer out there, want to give me an opinion? 343-700-4390-844-562-4766. If you're a a lawyer, because you never know who's listening, if you're a lawyer give me a call would this constitute fraud under the under the um, criminal code of canada would the would the P- pc party be uh subject to be charged under that act because they're promising something taking the money for it but they're not delivering i think this is something that needs to be really carefully thought out i might be wrong maybe i am i don't know I, like I said, I'm no lawyer, and I'm not claiming to make any particular legal opinion. Or, or I'm just saying a lawyer ought to have a look at this. Because, man, I'm telling you, the last thing Patrick Brown needs is this. And if it comes, if it's if it's found out, or if if there's if he gets you know if uh, um, sound legal minds, people who know the law, come out and say yeah, then he better start writing a whole bunch of refund checks. If it's not already too late. Because it's like robbing a bank. You know, if you rob a bank and you feel guilty about it later and you return the money, you're still guilty of robbing the bank. Hmm. Boy, isn't this getting curiouser and curiouser. All right, we'll take a break and I'll have more when we get back right after this. Mm -hmm.
6: Timo's 2000 Mobile Auto Cleaning comes right to your driveway and makes your vehicle look brand new again. Classic cars, bikes, boats, RVs, dump trucks, hot rods, tractors, transport trucks. We can even make your minivan look like the day you drove it off the lot. Did you spill too much coffee on your seat? Did Junior decide he couldn't wait till he got home? And yuck, maybe you're just long overdue for that meticulous cleaning. Maybe you want to sell the old beast. Smartest thing you can do is make it look brand new again. Timmo's 2000, 613-327-8498, 613-327-8498, or go to timos2000.com.
0: Okay, it's the Nick at Night Show, folks. Thanks for staying with us. I certainly hope you're enjoying the show. I hope you're learning some things, and I certainly hope I'm getting your dander up a little bit because, doggone it, there's a lot to have your dander up about. Someday I'm going to figure out what the heck dander is. Is it (laughs) danderuff? I don't know. Um, Just on a logistical note, uh, I will tell you that all the shows will be up as podcasts as of 11 p.m. tomorrow night. I know there's been some question about the last couple of shows. Haven't made it to podcast. But uh, we have been talking to our tech guy, and he will have them all posted come 11 p.m. tomorrow night. So if you want to go back and catch up on some previous shows, you're certainly free to do that. And if you... I really hope that you, you are enjoying it enough to encourage others to listen because one of the things that I the goal here is to help grow the audience so that we can get our, our message out. And I'm not ashamed to say it's a conservative message. And if people want to uh, listen, no matter what their political views are, uh, they're certainly welcome that you can call us, of course, at 343-700-4390, 844-562-4766. You can send me an email to nick at com. Um, you can also make comments on Facebook. I will keep an eye on that as well. If you want to become a member of Nick's Knights, which I'm going to be revitalizing, I haven't done much with it since I uh, left the Terrestrial Station, um, but I'm going to bring that back. Uh, it's it's still there. There's still the the group is still there, but uh, we're going to do some we're going to have some fun with that. So if you want to become a member of Nick's Knights, if you're not already, just send me a friendship request, and uh, I'll approve it and you'll be able to become a member of the uh, most elite group on my Facebook page next night. All right, now, you remember a while ago, you think, this is this is like, I don't know if you're familiar with, I don't know, I think it's Greek mythology. There's a creature called a, um, um, a hydra, which is a, a dragon that has like five or six heads, and every time you cut one off, two grow back. You can't kill the thing. It's very hard to kill. Well, a lot of the policies put in place by former Liberal governments... Well, I shouldn't say just Liberal governments. It's true in a lot of cases. Um, but some policies just don't want to go away, even after they're... You know, we everybody thought they were dead. And the policy that I'm referring to at the moment is this... You remember under the Liberals, they brought in this uh, way of funding political parties by giving um, money per vote. Do you remember that? Well, apparently... The Boy King and his Band of merry sandbox mates are thinking about bringing it back. So I posted a little bit, some of the quotes of some different uh, MPs and what they had to think about it. And here's one, two, three, four of them. The per-vote subsidy is the fairest and most legitimate way of supporting political parties. That was Liberal MP Alexandra Mendez. Then here's another one. Some form of public subsidy should occur, and it's a good idea. Liberal MP Robert Falcon Houlette. Another one. I prefer it for a whole lot of reasons, so it's just better. Liberal MP Bill Casey. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. You prefer it for a whole lot of reasons, so it's just better just because you prefer it?
5: (laughs) The arrogance is just un-freaking-believable.
0: And there's one more. There's some attractiveness to it. It's worth examining. That's the most level-headed of them all, and it's out of whack. That was Liberal MP Mark Miller. Now, look, this is about the, this, this isn't, you know what this is about. This is about making sure the Liberal Party always gets more money than they could otherwise raise. Because they, they, they are raising, in the last quarter, I think they actually outraised the Conservatives. Um, and let's face it, you cannot separate politics and money. You can try all you want but, you know, because everybody's saying, let's change the funding formula. Let's do this. Let's do that. Yeah.
3: <coughs> Excuse me.
0: <coughs> you can do that if you want to, but there's no guarantee it's going to work. Anyway, so what this does, if you look, especially in as the result, imagine if, because let's face it, the liberals won by a landslide last time. They did. No question about it. And if we had $1.75, I think the, the, it was a $1.75 per vote, if my memory serves me correctly. I could be wrong, but a seventy-five per vote. Now, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that would mean millions of dollars in the coffers of the Liberal Party without ever having to lift a finger. They don't have to go out and sell their concept to people and say, come and vote for me. Do you realize, in the race for the conservative leadership... The people who are leaders, they have to go out and convince people, average people, and the most they can give, I think, is $1,500. So $1,500, up to $1,500 at a time, that they are worth that $1,500. They have to sell themselves. They have to sell what they believe in. And they have to sell their brand of conservatism. And if they're not successful, then they don't get the money. Now, to me, that's how you do it. But that's not the way the liberals work. It's the way they want to raise money is through this, this particular process of getting you, you get so many votes. Therefore, you get so many dollars per vote. It's the lazy man's way. It's uh, I think it's completely disingenuous. I, I just think it's wrong. And then you have access for cash. That's what the most recent scandal is out of Toronto. Remember the Chinese billionaire, fifty million dollars or was it fifty thousand? I think it's fifty thousand dollars for a statue for Pierre Elliott Pierre Trudeau, and a whole bunch of money for was it the Trudeau Foundation or whatever it was? I don't remember all the details now, but the bottom line is this guy is uh, goes to a meeting and and uh, all these Chinese. Businessmen, including a couple of billionaires, are there. And Justin, we're supposed to believe Justin Trudeau walked into this apartment in Toronto and went, Shazam! Hey, what are you guys doing here? Who the heck thought you guys would be here when I got walked in? Into- I had no idea whose golden colored Cadillac that was, Rolls Royce out there with the communist emblem on it and the, you know, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. No, I, I had no idea it was you. I uh, just thought I'd stop in and see who. No, of course not. It's utter nonsense. So they've brought that idea back again. And I think it's absolutely outrageous that they try that stunt. But that's the little boy king and his way of doing things. Um, Let's see. There is another piece I want to go to, if I can find it real quick. Oh, that's that one. All right. Oh, yes. You know something? I love the Royal Canadian Navy. I spent 10 years in it. It wasn't called the Royal Canadian Navy in those days, but uh, it was called the Canadian uh, Maritime Command is what it was called. And to me, call me crazy if you want to. As a matter of fact, you can call me anything you want to. Um, The military, when you boil it all down, is about killing people and breaking things. That's what the military is for. It's not a nice way of looking at it, but I think it's the only way to look at it. And we need to train our people to be able to do that better than anybody else so that they don't have to do it very often. And if they do have to do it, they're real quick about it, get it over with fast, and as many of them as possible, come home alive and sound. However, it seems that there was, you could see it coming, and I know I'm going to get some flack for this, I don't care. My time in the Navy was from 19... I joined in the July of 1980, went to basic training. And then in January of 1981, I joined my first ship, the HMCS Sagany. And then I got out in June of 89. I call it 10 years. It's just nine change. So I rounded off because I'm lazy. And in that time, I saw a few changes. But the one thing I never had to do until I got into the reserves was I never had to sail with women. And I love women. Don't get me wrong. I am not saying for a second that uh, women are not equal to men, but there's are certain cir- circumstances where blending the two genders is a really bad idea. In combat units is one of them. So that was the beginning. When the Supreme Court said you can't keep them out because it's not... They forgot that a military is not a place to practice social engineering. So that was the first step. From there... We go all the way to this. And believe me, I could, I could give you all kinds of evidence of why it's a bad idea. And none of it has any, anything to do with the quality of person any particular woman is. I've met some, uh, even in my time in the reserves, I've met some really good sailors who were women. It's not about any one individual. It's about the concept. It's about the ramifications. It's about the, the um, sexual politics that get involved. It's all of that stuff. Anyway, it turns out that now we've gone from that to where they're getting into. This is in this is part of an email that's got sent to a uh, a writer from Lifesite News, uh, let well, give me the right LifesiteNews.com. Um sent an email to um to the writer and I can't see the writer's name. Let me just maybe it's at the bottom. That's oh, one of these forever long. Uh, Okay, I'm not I can't find right off on it, but that's the website it comes from, LifesightNews.com. And the heading is Canadian Navy's units, Canadian Navy units mandatory diversity training and it's nuts. All right, let me share with you the email he's talking about. Uh, I'll share with you the last paragraph of his uh article before he gets the email. Last week, I received another email from a Canadian sailor, this time giving details of his unit's mandatory diversity training, which includes the introduction of the idea of positive spaces, which are similar to safe spaces, but involve the mandatory affirmation of lifestyles that many Christians might oppose on principle. Okay, well, I think there's probably a lot besides Christians, but you know what? Set religion aside, we're talking about the military. Safe spaces? I want you to think about this. Go to sea on a warship and show me the safe space. Where is that? Look, I knew every compartment. I knew every inch of the two ships that I was on like the back of my hand. I had to. It was my job. And in those 10 years that I was in the service, I never once came across a place called the safe space. I came across the... uh, the void space I came across the boiler room, the engine room, tiller flats, I came across the mortar well, the hangar, the flight deck, the pilotage, the forecastle one one mess, two mess, three mess, fridge flats, number one diesel generator okay the, the, the three inch fifty ready use magazine, the wheelhouse, Burma Road engineer's office, engineer's workshop. I got the whole list. Nowhere is there a safe space on a warship. Anyway, I digress. All right. So here, here's the email. Hang on. On Wednesday, November 30th, On Wednesday, the 30th of of November, 2016, my naval unit within CFP Halifax held a mandatory professional development day, which mostly comprised of half-baked seminars on the need for diversity in the workforce, harassment training, and ethics and values of the Department of National Defense. My entire unit was present, including command, which is composed of roughly 300 military personnel and civilian employees. As part of our professional development and training, CFP Halifax sanctioned an hour lecture on the newest breakthroughs, as through a breakthroughs ascertained in the study of gender fluidity and transgender rights. Folks, how many times has this got to be said? You got two choices when it comes to gender, male and female. That's it. Everything else is nothing but progressive, pap, and nonsense. As you may recall, the Royal Canadian Navy officially endorsed the LGBTQ movement in May in what is now known as the RCN's Summer Pride. They marched in the Gay Pride Parade. The military, in uniform. I always thought the government was supposed to stay out of people's bedrooms. Look, I'm not saying you can't have the parade, but this, oh my God, this is just so outrageous. Anyway. While the most publicized portion of that endorsement was the Navy's determination to march in the Halifax Pride Parade in uniform, and when it raised the Pride flag across the formation, including across the fleet, it also involved the setup of the Positive Space Initiative designed to bring awareness and mandatory training to sailors and employees on, an appropriate, on inappropriate behaviors and how, and how to foster a positive, safe space, which was so important which was so 2015 workplace environment... I don't... uh, Okay. Okay. Never mind. I'm sorry. Therefore, the seminar on gender fluidity theory and LGBTQT alphabet soup rights arose, which was alarmingly becoming a staple of professional development days for CFB Halifax. Look, this has no place in the military. This has no place in the military. This is not... a place to practice social engineering. There's no place you should be practicing social engineering, least of all the military. This does nothing to build unit cohesion. This does nothing to improve combat effectiveness. This does nothing to make sure that our men and women who go into harm's way on our behalf are better equipped, are better prepared to deal out the kind of punishment they need to deal out, to absorb the kind of punishment they will most likely absorb and come home as many of them alive and safe and sound as possible. This is so anti. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. That's all there is to it. And I am sick and tired of having people defend this stuff. And yet, here we are. All right, let's take a little break. When we get back, we'll have even more right after this.
7: here about the supposed dangers of human-induced climate change. But what about the disastrous consequences of climate policy? For example, the closing of Ontario's coal stations was the single most important cause of the 318% rise in power rates since 2002. Thousands of industrial wind turbines are being erected across the province, killing birds and bats and ruining the lives of people living nearby. The expanded use of biofuels has led to 6.5% of the world's grain going to fuel instead of food. Only 6% of the $1 billion spent every day on climate finance goes to helping people today. The rest is dedicated to trying to stop climate change that may someday happen. Yet the reports of the non-governmental International Panel on Climate Change show that the science backing the climate scare is highly uncertain. Isn't it time we focused on problems we know to be real? This message is brought to you by ClimateScienceInternational.org.
0: All right, it's the Naked Night Show, folks. 343-700-4390-844-562-4766. You can also reach me at latenightcouncil.com. I want to share this with you. You might put a smile on your face. Students in an advanced biology class were taking their midterm exam. The last question was, name seven advantages of mother's milk. The question was worth 70 points or none at all. One student wanted was having trouble thinking hard, uh, uh, thinking of seven advantages. So he wrote, Number one, it's a perfect formula for the child. Number two, it provides immunity against several diseases. Number three, it's always the right temperature. Number four, it's inexpensive. Number five, it bonds the child to mother and vice versa. Number six, it's always available as needed. And then the student was stuck. Finally, in desperation, just before the bell rang, indicating the end of the test, he wrote, Number seven, it comes in two attractive containers and it's high enough off the ground where the cat can't get it. <laughs> All right, let's hope you got a sense of humor because I thought it was cute. Now, there is another issue here I think is uh, worth spending a little bit of time on. Big, uh, My friend Bob, who sends me a ton of good stuff, like um, the guy really ought to have his own shit. Well, I better not say that too loud. He might, he might do that and... And uh, steal my audience. But uh, Bob is a researcher and he comes up with just some amazing stuff. And I love posting it. So I've got this up on Facebook if you want to read it all. But he's talking about in this piece why um, big green. Now, you notice how certain terms take on a life of their own. Like first it was big oil and then it's big this and then it's big that. It's always, you know, big something. So now, of course, big green. And they're panicking. Well, why are they panicking? Well, he lays out the case. Let me share with you this paragraph to give you some kind of an idea. For 2013, the major beneficiary, now they're talking about government largesse here, money spent, um, you know, on green initiatives. The major beneficiary was wind, which received $5.9 billion, closely followed by the solar energy at 5.3. This is in the States. This does not include the additional subsidies that wind and solar producers receive from state governments or from electricity consumers because of state-imposed feed-in tariffs or requirements on utilities to buy certain types of generation. Sound familiar? The other beneficiaries include biomass firms, 629 million, 629 million hydropower for 395 million, geothermal 345 million, and others 594 million subsidies for smart grid grid and electricity transmission at another $1.2 billion and conservation another $2 billion on top of that. The total amount provided by the U.S. taxpayer to these green companies in 2013 was $29.2 billion. The amounts provided subsidies for electric vehicle manufacturers, electric battery manufacturers and electric car producers are not included in the report but are probably in the range of $2 billion per year as well. President-elect Donald Trump has promised to review and uh, probably cut many of these expenditures and reallocate the funds to other users to tax reductions for the so-called green industries. And that's a lot to panic about. He's quite right. And that's this one of the things I love about Bob. He just lays it out there for you. So if you want to stay on top of what Bob's latest is, just have cruise by my Facebook page and just watch for it. Um there's not much he sent me that I haven't put up. I can't think of pretty much anything because it's really well done and well-researched. But to get back to this, when you stop and think, let's apply it now. Granted, you're talking the the United States and everybody knows that everything down there is bigger by a factor of 10 uh, because of the population and et cetera, et cetera. But think about all the things that could have been done with that money. I know we've gone over this ground before. But when you think about the massive, see, and I want to make something, and I may have mentioned this before, but I'm going to make it really clear. Um, when I'm talking about green energy, I don't have a problem with alternative energy. That doesn't bother me, not in the least. If you want to have solar panels or a little windmill, or maybe you've got a creek flowing through your pasture, your, your, your property, and you want to put a little dam on it and put a generator on it and make your own power. I don't have any problem with that at all. That is, without question, I think, the right application for that kind of technology. Or maybe if you're interested in doing things like energy from waste. I've been Over the years, I've been a huge promoter of that. I've got a friend of mine. That's what he does. He actually has a company that goes around the world putting up incinerators and high-efficiency high incinerators. And you know what they do? They burn garbage. And they do it so well, there's no environmental impact. And as a matter of fact, the air going into the plant is dirtier than what comes out. I don't have time to get into all the intricacies of how it works. Besides, it doesn't really matter. The only thing you need to know is it does. So he goes to places like Ghana, around the world, sets up these large incinerators and and, uh, energy from waste plants, and he solves two problems at once. He eliminates the need for a dump. Actually, there's a multitude of problems he solves. He eliminates the need for, for dumps. No recycling programs are necessary. So the cost to the taxpayer falls through the floor. And you, you by eliminating the need for dumps, okay, oh, and he provides cheap electrical power. Because believe me, we, the average person makes about three pounds of garbage a day so if we're making three pounds a day, so there's let's say thirty days in, this so that's hundred pounds a month. Is what a person and what a person generates. So if you take that hundred pounds a month and you turn it into energy, doesn't that make sense? Isn't that the ultimate in recycling? Because if you think about, let's say, if you take a plastic cup like the one I'm holding in my hand right now, that's nothing but hardened gasoline. Why would we melt it down and turn it into something else? No matter what the Greenies tell you, we will be refining fossil fuel for a very long time. Part of the refining process is the manufacture of plastic. So if we're going to have plastic coming out our yin-yang anyway, why would we bother recycling it? Why not take it, shred it into, you know, very small particles, throw it in the fire in a high-efficiency incinerator, or energy from waste extraction unit, if you don't like the word incinerator, and take the heat it contains or the energy it contains, boil water with it, and run a steam turbine connected to a generator and make power. See, that kind of common sense won't fly in Canada. He tried, I can tell you, I know from, from personal experience, this guy's a personal friend of mine, for a decade he tried here in Ontario to get a plant like that done. Nobody nowhere, no how. He got absolutely nowhere. So he had to go overseas. And now they have, uh, there's a gentleman out there who's going around and uh, setting up deals all over the world because Canada turned his back on him. Ontario specifically. So I don't, in other words, I don't have a problem with alternative power. It's alternative power for its own sake I have a problem with. It's alternative power that doesn't work. Or causes all kinds of problems, like the ever-increasing rising cost of of electricity. Those kind of things I have a problem with. In other words, if the government does it, if the government has to force you to do it by writ of law, then it's probably a bad idea. And it just... Man, I'm telling you, when I think about... Just think, at the end of every driveway in the city of Ottawa, there's at least... Well, let's see. When I'm at my son's place, he's got to recycle his cardboard, which you could easily burn. He's got to recycle his plastics, which you could easily burn. You know, you, you've got certain things that got to go in the garbage. You've got the organics. So there's about three or four things at the end of his driveway, and by no means is he alone. The whole city's like that. Think about how much time you could save in your day over the run of a month. And what other productive things you could be doing with that time. Instead of sitting there in front of about four bins looking at a can going, which one does this go in? If you could just throw it all in one bag, carry it to the curb and have it just like they used to. The only difference is we're not throwing it in a hole in the ground. There's no need for that. Throw it in the garbage. They'll take it to the plant. They'll hand sort it, pull out the recyclables. If you're, if you don't want to recycle your aluminum and, and your copper, which why well, you would do that, I don't know. It's the, do. I don't know, is the only two things worth recycling in the first place, because they cost so much to make. But see, that makes perfect sense to me. I'm not a problem with that. But this, in the tens of billions of dollars poured down green holes. So I'm hoping that that Trump actually does do that, that he cuts out oh, a huge chunk uh, of sub, of subsidies out of that and redirects it towards, oh, I don't know, maybe lowering their national debt. Granted, it's, oh, what was the last number, well over trillion and $19 trillion headed towards $20 trillion now. So paying that back is going to take a really long time, but if you never get started, you'll never pay it off. And wouldn't that be a great model for us to follow? And by the way, Brad Trost, I don't think I have time to pull it up now. Stood in the House of Commons and basically said, why are we wasting our time on this nebulous thing called climate change when we have real problems with real dirty water? Uh, there's He listed a whole bunch of communities all over the country that are under boil water advisories or have dirty water. Why aren't we dealing with that? Those are real environmental issues. Why are we wasting our time on trying to tax carbon dioxide, which is only going to hurt everybody especially those in the lower income scales because it's going to make life much more expensive than it was and get nothing out of it so I just thought I'd give him a little tip of the hat because you know what that's the kind of language I like to hear out of politicians don't just take it because David Suzuki says so it's time to start standing up and challenging that nonsense and start shutting down some of these foolishness foolish programs that are built around them so well done to Mr. Trost I didn't get a chance to watch the, the uh, Conservative leadership debate, although I did get a note <laughs> under the heading of they don't know who they're talking to. It was from the Liberal Party of Canada, and they were warning me. They sent me this note. I don't know how I get them. I'm not, I never bought a membership. I don't want one of their stupid toques or, or scarves, and yet I get the, every couple of weeks I get this note. Oh, the Conservative, they're going to be on stage, and you got to watch it to show how terrible they are. You know, they, they want to put an end to all of Trudeau's programs, and they, they, they don't want to be progressive. And I'm thinking, that's exactly why I want to vote for them. Thanks for reminding me it's on. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes this job is just way too much fun. Speaking of this job, that pretty much wraps it up for me tonight. I want to thank you all for joining me. Sorry about the glitch at the startup, but we got it figured out. And uh, for all of you who joined me this evening, uh, please share the, share the news about the show to your friends. It, it will be available as of midnight, let's say 11 o'clock tomorrow night. All the shows will be up on podcast, and you'll be able to catch up on what you haven't heard. So we'll get to that. In the meantime, we'll see you all again next week. We'll be on Wednesdays. We'll be at Amor. Deus, Ibiest. Good evening. God bless. Don't let anything disturb your peace. And may have a fair wind and a following sea.
3: Oh, oh. Money that ere I had, I spent it in good company, and all the harm I've ever done, alas it was to none but me and Joy be to you all. So fill to me the parting glass, and drink a health, whatever befalls. Then gently rise and softly call. Good night, and joy be to. that I had they're sorry for my going away and all the sweethearts that I had, they'd wish me one more day to stay But since it fell into my last, that I should rise and you should not I'll share